track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's landed for I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Oh, drop with a big leg. Over for the cover. It's over. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! What's up, Connection Podcast Network listeners? Welcome back to WWE War Wrestling Above Replacement, episode number 16. I am JT. Joining me, as always, is my friend Marcus. Marcus, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, and uh, I feel a bit honored to be able to cover another Royal Rumble with you and not be named Aaron. That's true. God, I rumbled out. <laughs> but we're going to do it tonight uh, here on this podcast, which has been a great journey. Um, Something has been a lot of fun to really go back and relive all these dirty pay-per-views in seasonal order. We are checking out our shows by season, which starts with the pay-per-view following WrestleMania up until the following year's Mania. Uh, currently, we're in the 1999-2000 season, meaning we only have three pay-per-views left if you're keeping track. Tonight, we'll cover two of them with Royal Rumble 2000 and No Way Out 2000. We break all these down on a pure plus-minus system. We have a number of categories for every good in that category, you get a plus. For every bad in the category, you get a minus. We net that out, add it all up, and that gives you a total score, which we call the war score, our wrestling above replacement level. And we take that total and then rank these shows accordingly against their peers. As part of that overall grade, we also look at match grades, too. So we break down every match. We give it a score. We average that score out between your grade and my grade. Um, and then we take that total and we lop that into this, too to then decide what the overall final war total is. Um, you know, I think it's been a good way of looking at things, right? Because it gives you the full grasp of these shows. You're not just looking mm -hmm. at match quality, but we're also including moments and atmosphere and build and commentary. And all of these has been so important to a year like 99, 2000, a year like 99 was very maligned 
um, you know, I think on Aaron's project right here, that was, it was like a bottom three year, I think. Um, and when you just think of it historically, it's like, oh, bad matches, the angles don't hold up, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at the shows, like we're looking at it, where you're really grading each and every aspect of it. A show like this stands out. A year like this stands out because the shows just meant more. They're more important. The crowds are more invested. The announcers are more invested. So I think it it really helps a lot of these stand out. Like we saw last episode with Armageddon finishing in the top 11, right? Like that's not a show you would normally think of being a, top, a higher end dirty no. paper for getting 99. But again, it's worth your while because so much happens across the card. So, um, so that's pretty much our, our setup. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think you nailed everything that we got. Okay, very good. All right, so we're going to start off with Royal Rumble 2000, one of the more infamous Royal Rumble events coming live from Madison Square Garden in New York City. Attendance 19,231. Of course, Jim Ross, Jerry the King Lawler are in the booth. And this was a big card, Marcus. There was a lot of yeah. hype. It felt like a fresh reset in many ways. Like, it felt like a big change from just even as recently as Armageddon. Like, Coming into the show, so much feels different and fresh. Um, it feels like the the new booking team had really kind of gotten their feet under them and figured out the direction they want to take a lot of things heading toward Mania. We have a new world champion in place as Triple H regained his title on the uh, pretty famous Raw on January 4th, where he defeated the big show. And of course, we have the rebirth of Mick Foley that we'll talk about uh, as we go along here, too. So a lot of excitement coming in here to MSG for this show. Uh, you want to run the card for us? Absolutely. Uh, let's dive into the statement show for, for the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, we opened with Taz uh, debuting versus the, again, recently debuted Kurt Angle. Uh, Taz is going to get the controversial win with the Taz mm-hmm. mission. I went with a war of three. Yeah, me too. It's it is not a ton to this match per se. It's only three minutes, but it, like a ton happens, and this is really the closest we get to Taz, like mm-hmm. ECW beastly Taz that just wrecks shop. And if you want to hear all about him, every other Thursday on this very podcast feed, the Extreme Throwaway Dance, myself, Jenny Smith, and Matt Souza going through the history of ECW, and we are in Taz's like real up and coming wheelhouse. Like he's just been a monster in 96 calling out Sabu as a ramp toward their first ever pay-per-view. Um, and he looked at here and then of course everyone kind of knew he was coming. It was, it was not hidden. He had lost the title. What I think that's September, right. In the infamous three-way dance where he's the first eliminated. And then he vanishes. They start airing promos based on orange and black. So you knew he was coming in. So the crowd was hyped for him, you know, chanting for him before he even comes out. Out he comes, gets a massive pop, and just destroys Angle. <laughs> I mean, like, and it was an interesting approach because Angle has been pretty well protected and hyped. Like, they obviously have big plans for him. So this tells you they had big plans for Taz, too, because he just comes in and destroys him. And, yes, it's a controversial finish because he kind of does the Katahajabe, the Taz mission, but they play it up like it's a choke. Um, and Angle lives off of that, too. So... It's a big time match. It's a big time memorable moment. I think you can make an argument. They would have been better off having him beat someone else and um, do it more clean, not clean, but without controversy, controversy. But I think him facing Angle meant more like value wise. Like we saw Angle debut against Sean Stasiak and it didn't mean anything. Right. So I think Taz coming in and doing this to Angle really said like, oh shit, like this dude is here and he's going to wreck shop. And the crowd is just like, Friggin' through the roof for him. 
Yeah, and also speaks to the accomplishments and abilities of Kurt Angle. The fact that this is the third pay-per-view he's on, and he is already mm-hmm. in a role of giving back as a featured player and getting Taz over. Um, you know, not that Taz needs to get over in New York City, but I think to the broader WF pay-per-view audience, uh, not everybody knows who Taz is. So they're already confident enough in Kurt Angle to be the established character uh, to carry mm-hmm. this whole segment and to really uh, make this debut stand out and mean something. So um, that's a, a, a big, uh, you know, big role for Kurt Angle to fill already. And, um, you know, Taz looks like a monster. I do, um, you know, I do already wonder, like, you know, ECW might have had it right with some of the bells and whistles around Taz with Team Taz and Bill Alfonso and uh, everything else that Taz would have from time to time. Um, so he, to me, he kind of looked like I don't know, naked. I was like, oh, like there, there's like this is it. There's no entourage or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, Taz is Taz. He's going to go in there and, and, and suplex people, and uh, he's kind of not kind of. He is working a um, a very modern and ahead of its time style. Um, it's scary. I don't know if scary is the right word, but there is a, uh, <laughs> a butthole clenching uh, German suplex in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to give uh, the backstage boys a little bit of a freak out. So, yeah, it only goes three minutes, but it is a big, big moment, big match, uh, big segment altogether. And I always forget that this actually kicks off the show. Yes. Yeah, it's a great open. Yeah, uh, this is the match that I always think opens a show, and it mm-hmm. is the first ever tag team tables match, as it is the Dudley boys taking on the Hardys. Uh, we get the Hardy Boys winning this matchup. Uh, it is a double elimination, so you have to eliminate each each opponent uh, from the other team. Uh, of course, it's from the other team, their opponents. But uh, you have to eliminate both members of the other team uh, with offensive maneuvers. That's kind of how they are able to work a pretty interesting match with this. I went four. What about you, JT? I went four as well. I mean, it's, it's a pretty classic match. And... <laughs> While the latter match established the Hardys and Edge and Christian as top players in the tag division, this got the Dudleys to their level. Mm. And this is where the new, like, the WWF Dudleys kick off, right? Because since they arrived, and we covered this in the last episode at Survivor Series and Armageddon, they still were the ECW Dudleys to an extent, right? They had the, the tie-dye. They were doing the Bubba stuttering thing. Um, they didn't feel like they had established themselves here. but a couple easy changes get them there, right? They changed their look. They, now they have the camo. They drop the Bubba angle and just make them violent ass kickers. And like now we have a third team to run out the trifecta. So they go in here and the Hardys are still super over after the ladder match. And they just destroy each other with chairs and with tables. And we get an, you know, an oh shit, holy shit moment when Jeff does a swanton off the balcony to put Devon through the table to win. Um, it's only 10 minutes. It's an incredible pace. And it's like, oh, crap. Like, this tag division is getting real. And it's not just hardcore division stuff. It's like telling stories through the match, but also making them violent while also working the match. So this, to me, is like a cornerstone match in the rebirth of the tag division. While the latter match at No Mercy kicked it off, to me, this is like, now we're going. And from here, we don't really look back until we drop back off like three years later. So, um, yeah, it's a classic. I mean, it's it's a classic match on this card. Yeah, it's a classic. And not even it's... the best match in the other card. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, it, it's a big statement match for where the company is heading and where the tag team division is heading as a whole. 
Mm-hmm. Um, really creative, I thought, with the offensive maneuvers uh, in order to eliminate people. So they're able to, like, you know, get Bubba eliminated early, but then he's still hanging around. Uh, you know, if you can recover, you can still help out your partner. Uh, so I thought that was a really cool and creative way to um, explain the rules in a way so that, you know, people are being eliminated, so you're getting progress with the match, but you're also still getting them getting back into the match um, in a roundabout way, which sets up to the the super cool moment with Jeff diving off the the balcony area. And the Hardys are now 2-0, and right? Because, I mean, they won the tip. Mm-hmm. Back in No Mercy, they won this, and obviously they've lost in between, but 2-0 in, like, the big gimmick matches on pay-per-view. So they're starting to maybe establish themselves as the, the clutch team that comes yeah. through in the big spots. Um, Marcus, for our next match, we do get the Miss Rumble swimsuit contest in here. Um, Andy Richter is out as one of the judges, and who else? <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter, right, was one. and uh, Fred Blassie. Freddie Blassie, yeah. So it's an interesting and, uh, group. Johnny B. That's right. Luscious John. <laughs> it's a yeah. weird pull uh, that brought him out in New York, um, for sure. So we get Ivory, we get Terry, we get Jacqueline, we get BB, Luna, and then the cat. And the big one here is that cat wears the bikini with the bubble wrap. You know, we're not going to get the nudity again. So we think because out comes Mae Young. And she has a bikini on and she rips it off and we get censored, but she's wearing the, and we do get the one flash, but she's wearing the prosthetic booze from like something about Mary that the old neighbor had, um, where they're clearly fake and, and pasted on Mark Henry comes out and covers her up because that's the thing. Now he's dating her. So that's our last show. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, just more camp in the women's division, with Cat on top, we've really moved straight away from any kind of matches now and just doing this kind of goofiness because Cat is using her powers, which is her power of nudity, I guess. Not being afraid to show her body off. But um, yeah, just more of a comedy segment, more TNA segment, and they continue to be obsessed with Mae Young, pretty much. Yeah, and it doesn't, of course, it doesn't age the best, but the crowd's pretty into it. Like, they actually deliver a fairly um, right. comedic comedy segment which uh isn't always the strength of the of uh the company no there's some good tna in there i yeah. think it just would be a little bit better if the women's title was not part of it you know what i mean like yeah. if it is did that like they'll do it later right there's this ones to come later uh in the decade where they still have serious women's matches but they also have the tna stuff um i think we're just not there yet but so having the title be involved in this uh we also missed tony Garia was one of the judges uh. as well plus Plus, uh, Mula was out there, but uh, yeah, Johnny V was a random one. <laughs> Very random. <laughs> yeah, um, and my winner of the swimsuit, uh, or the Miss Rumble pageant, would have been uh, Terry. She was yeah, I, all I the way so. live. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I love the crowd ooh. The crowd ooh when um, the boobs come out for May is like great, especially when she turns around and the jacket falls off. Uh, <laughs> it's right up there with Butterbean knocking out. Uh, bark on at WrestleMania 15 uh, for the crowd. Ooh, I like when they see it. Um, just, you know, it's like this weird, like, oh shit, we just saw Mae Young's tits. But that's the payback. You know, we saw Kitty's, Kitty's titties at Armageddon. Uh, we get the payback here with uh, Scott's tots on Mae Young's chest. <laughs> All right, that takes us to our next contest. It is for the Intercontinental title, and it is a triple threat match as the co champions. Uh, China and Chris Jericho, yeah, are going to both uh, defend and challenge against Hardcore Holly. I went with a war 2.75. Yeah, me too. The match is fine. The buildup is messy. They had a match on TV where Jericho and China 
did the double pin. So they both, instead of holding up the belt, they called them co-champions. So they co-defend the title for a few weeks coming in here. Holly gets added in because, again, you know, they're pretty into him as a character. And uh, it's around now, too, where he starts to work his way into being kind of an underground guy, a work rate guy. Um, that lasts for like the next six months or so. So they see him on a level of like Jericho and some of the others coming in for sure. Uh, but we'll see. Unfortunately, an uh, injury kind of cuts him off. But as far as this goes, like it was fine. You know, Jericho wins at least clean and kind of puts the co-champion thing to bed. Him and China will still be friendly, but this felt like the official turning of Jericho into a face, um, which was good because they needed that roster balance. Like we talked about on our last episode. Yeah. So yeah, he's a sole champion. The crowd's into him. He's booked like a face, decent stuff. Just, yeah, you'd hope for better in that slot, but luckily the rest of the card kind of exists to, to balance it out. Yeah. Like we finally feel like we've moved on to like, after this match, like, okay, we're going to go with Jericho as this, mm-hmm. you know, mid card face, uh, you know, the experiments kind of done with China, um, so yeah, it just feels good to be kind of moving on from that. So, uh, we'll keep things moving. Uh, next contest is for the world tag team titles as the, Ac- the acolytes who won, uh, the tag team battle Royal back at Armageddon are going to lose to the new age outlaws. I went with 2.25. Yeah, I went with two. It's, it's nothing here. I mean, it's a pretty quick match. They don't give them a lot of time. Uh, two and a half minutes. Actually, I wasn't a big fan of this. Like, I don't know why they didn't even do it, why they even did it, honestly. Um, I know they're running long on time, and this is where stuff like the bikini match, bikini contest kind of hurts the card, right? Because they end up running mm-hmm. long in this. And, and they make the acolytes look sh- stupid. You know what I mean? Like, they basically job out in two minutes. It doesn't get better for them in the Rumble either. I think I would have ran an angle here and just gotten away from the, um, the match itself. I would have had something happen backstage and just bag the match like i mean it would have been better than two and a half minutes or just make it like they brawl out and just like it's a no contest or something this just made the acolytes look weak yeah um i mean acolytes go in there and kind of dominate the outlaws anyway so like why not just have them dominate before the match ever gets started right you know the outlaws try to get the jump on them and um you know they they get beat up so badly the match never starts you know that'd be one way to get out of it and still take the same amount of time without doing an official match and making the, uh, the accolades job out. Uh, something that did get plenty of time is our next match. It's a big one for the WWF title. Mm-hmm. It's a street fight. And Triple H is going to retain by defeating Cactus Jack. There's a name we haven't heard yet this season. Uh, I went with a score of 4.5. So this was 27 minutes. I gave it the full bunch of bananas. I went five. Uh, I was looking for a reason to come under, but it's, I don't know, it still resonates to me. It still hits to me. It's the match that makes Triple H into a star uh, that shows he can work at this level. It shows that he's willing to just take a lot of abuse to get himself over, uh, that he can, um, yeah, just take a beating and, and fully does all he can to get into shape, to put over Triple H, to come back. Uh, Armageddon feels like a, a decades ago for him. When he comes out here, he feels like a different person. Yeah. You could tell he really killed it to get into this position. I was at SmackDown the week before. Not the one where he comes back as Cactus. That was in Chicago. But there's a SmackDown of Providence the week before this show where he comes out at the end. He had not been on the whole show, and he comes out and beats the shit out of Triple H. And there was a yeah. really cool yep. moment. Crowd goes nuts. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, I, this match is, you know, to me, it holds up completely. All the big spots. 
you get the call back to the year before with the handcuffs. Rock helps out Cactus, which, you know, at times may feel a little forced. But when you think back of their background over the last five months, right, they've been teammates. This was kind of like, a, you know, Rock finally paying it forward to his buddy. Um, that's been it feels a little forced to this point, but he, he pays it, pays it off. And it establishes Triple H as a guy that can have this level of a match willing to take the beating and, you know, worthy of being world champion. Yeah, we needed to see Triple H be tough. And every now mm-hmm. and then there is a upper mid Carter flirting with the main event. And the people need to see him be tough. And Mick Foley is the absolute best person at getting that match out of that person uh, and getting getting whoever he's across from uh, over into that next stratosphere. And, uh, you know, this is just another example of that. It's a beautiful match. Uh, it, it's violent. It is. It's brutal. It holds up. Um, there's not really too many of the Attitude Era tropes in this match. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that adds to, like, the timelessness of this matchup. Uh, you know, it's been 20 plus years and it still um, you know, still has the same effect. It's, you know, if anything, it might have even gotten a little bit better with time. Uh, so, yeah, f- four and a half for me. It is absolutely outstanding. Um, I don't think I can add any more, you know, positivity to it. Yeah, uh, right. I'm with you. I think the only potential negative I had was that, like, the time they spend in the alley, like the crowd kind of turns on it a little bit because you can't really see, but some big stuff happens there. So it's hard to get on it too much. Uh, you also have like triple H, you know, when he gets the, the cut in his calf from the wood, like is nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, just, yeah, just, it, it felt like such a, just a masterpiece by these guys. Really it, looking back and we'll talk about it as we go over our next couple of shows. Like you wonder if Foley should have just went out with this. Yeah, I don't wonder. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know yeah. where you stand. We'll talk about <laughs> yeah. it later. But, yeah, this is um, this, this might have been a perfect out. painting to go out on. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, so we know Triple H is going to be heading into WrestleMania, at least as, as of now, as the world champion. So let's find out who's going to face. It is time for the Royal Rumble match. Uh, and, our, of course, our winner is Dwayne The Rock Johnson, last mm-hmm. eliminating the big show. I went with a war of two. JT, uh, am I crazy? How'd you feel about this match? Yeah, that. I mean, that's pretty low. I, I have a standard of rumble matches uh, where like a baseline rumble to me is a three. Like there's only a couple below a three to me. Those are, like the all time worst. Um, so I went three and a quarter, which tells you again, I'm not a huge fan of this rumble, but uh, every rumble, 90% of rumbles to me are at least three stars because it is so enjoyable to watch and easy to watch. This one, though, given the year that we're in and the level of talent is a surprisingly thin um, roster in here. We also have a lot of dull spots. There's a lot of boring moments, a lot of nothing happening, a lot of stretches with guys that probably have no shot to win. When I think of it, I think of Road Dog laying on the ground. Like that's that's the epitome of like the, you know of this rumble to me is like that explains it all. Uh, you get guys in there for long stretches that do nothing like British Bulldogs just in there forever. Like we talked about on now during the rumble uh, just in there, you know, 15 minutes and does nothing. 
test in there for 26 minutes. It doesn't really do much. Big boss man goes 23 minutes and doesn't do mm-hmm. much. Um, you know, we kind of peak early with the Rikishi stuff where he just gets the diesel push, eliminates eight guys, uh, dances right in the ring with two cool eliminates them. So like he owns that first third of the rumble and it's great. And then it just kind of dies off from there until the finish, which I do like the finish. Uh, but that middle stretch from Rikishi getting eliminated until like the final five or so is kind of a tough watch. And, you know, China only lasts under a minute. The out, the uh, acolytes again are treated like shit. Like Farouk lasts 18 seconds. Bradshaw's 25 seconds. Like what is go- like they completely new to that team on this whole night. Like they, yeah. they're in a, a match, a title match and the rumble that go under five minutes for them. <laughs> like, I mean, it's ridiculous. Total. <laughs> uh, so, you know, Jericho isn't in there that long. So, like, they had, again, it's just like they kind of showcased the wrong people. Al Snow's in there for 18 minutes, 17 minutes. Oh, it's like, gosh. You know, kind of like, what are we doing with some of this? Even Kane only gets six minutes and he's red hot. X Pac, he comes in 33 minutes. Like, so it's, you know, he's the guy that could help carry the match with the work rate. So it's just, eh. some of the pieces are there. It's just really structured with this giant dead zone across the middle. Um, that kills the match. So to me, it's it's a sneaky bottom tier rumble match. You wouldn't think of it because the show is so well regarded. There can't be too many rumbles where the undercard overshadows the rumble match, right? No, not too many. Um, if you've listened to our previous episodes and you're caught up to date, I swear I do love the Royal Rumble match, but we have covered my absolute three least favorite rumble <laughs> matches. <laughs> I mean, these are it. Uh, I went one star with 95. I went uh, two with this match, and I went three with um, to the 20. Uh, I guess 2012 rumble. 2012, yeah. Yeah, uh, those are my three bottom rumbles, uh, at least as of now. We'll see if this project changes my mind at all. But um, yeah, I, I think with this one, like this one did have the cool comedy spot with Rikishi, Rikishi and Too Cool, Kai and Ty coming back in. Um, oh. Yeah, that kind of type stuff, yeah. Yeah, but w- what it lacked for me was it does have the star power coming in at the end. You know, you get Kane, you get DX, you get the Acolytes and all that stuff, and, and of course Rock uh, and Big Show. But uh, none of them feel like a threat just because this is right. Rock's Rumble. Um, whereas something like 2011, or 2012, it's got a whole bunch of jokes and comedy and surprise entrance. Uh, but you get to the last eight to 10 entrance and the jokes are over. Um, they're getting down to business and they're getting the favorites in there and they're going to settle it. So, um, yeah, this one's in the middle of 95 and 2012 for me. Uh, you know, and I can't wait to cover a rumble that, <laughs> that I do like, cause I swear I do like the match. Yeah. It's again, it's kind of get the more, couple moments than like as a full match telling a story it just doesn't do it i mean uh, the, the just story is waiting on the rock right like, that, that's the story the one thing they do a good job with is um it's rocks rumble you know he's gonna win but they do a good job with teasing the big show stuff at least at the end um, because I know it seems ridiculous to think Big Show could go to Mania, but he did, was just world champion. <laughs> like, he has mm-hmm. been rebuilt pretty hotly. So it's not crazy that he's in there at the end with The Rock and is a threat 
and they do a pretty good job with that tease late. So I'll give them credit for that because it could have been easy just to make it super obvious. Yeah. They at least tried. They tried giving him at least one uh, viable foe. Um, JT, you want to tell us what we got cooking on the North-South Connection? Lots going on in the North-South Connection, Marcus. Each and every day we have Cronoso Daily breaking down a uh, match from WWF pay-per-view or science main event history. We have rotating get a panel of 12 hosts. So you hear a different voice every morning breaking down all those matches, chronological order. That's on top of all the other great content they've gotten used to here on the North-South Connection, uh, covering the gamut across all of wrestling, a little bit of sports, a little bit of pop culture mixed in there as well. Just everything that we're super, super proud of when it comes to, um, you know, the content, the dedicated hosts, all the wonderful feedback. Just everyone hits the mark on this feed and just makes it so uh, rewarding to be part of. And we appreciate everyone who listens and downloads and shares feedback and rates us and reviews us. It just means so much to us. You know, we had a lot of WrestleMania contents uh, for this year. We also have a lot of GWWE content, which is the greatest OD wrestler ever project revisited at PlayStation Nation. So we've uh, really hit it hard on that. Um, so just a lot of fun stuff that we've been covering and you know, continue to look forward to delivering more content to you each and every day. Yeah, I love the variety of the projects we have here at the uh, North-South Connection. Uh, there's ECW, there's uh, Johnny C's Multiverse of Fabulousness, there's uh, you know comics, comic stuff and pop culture. And of course, like the projects like GWWE, um, you know, I really got in with uh, GWCW last year and I'm really diving in with GWWE. Uh, I got my buddy at Not The Tool Man, Tim mm-hmm. Taylor. Uh, you know, hopefully we're going to have some projects coming up with our GWWE list. Uh, and we've also got Viewer's Choice uh, right here on the North-South Connection where we uh, give you kind of instant feedback right after every major WWE and AEW pay-per-view. And we uh, tell you, you know, what to skip, what to watch. Uh, not necessarily everything that's good and bad, but uh, if you're looking to try to save some time and, uh, you know, shave off two, two or three hours off of a five-hour show, uh, we're here to do that for you uh, after every pay-per-view now. Yeah, you guys do a great job. It's uh, The turnaround time is, is what's super impressive, too. Like, that shows up. You know, Tim bangs it out after you guys record it and it's posted, you know, within hours of the show ended, which is awesome because it's probably one of the first to, to air breaking down the pay-per-view that just happened. Yeah, he, he's a wizard. I just show up and talk. So uh, he does all the work. So thank you to the tool man. All right. Let's hit our plus minus here on the 2000 Rumble. and We'll see how everything shakes out. So our grades net out. Of course, we take our average match grade. So let's take that main event, for example. I gave a five. You gave a four and a half. Averages out to 4.75. Uh, we consider a replacement level baseline match to be two and a half. So if you're just a perfectly adequate wrestling match, you get a two and a half. If you're mm-hmm. above or below, we take that average grade and we subtract or add from two and a half to get your total war score. So uh, that match averaged out to us at 4.75. That is a 2.25 higher than baseline. So we do that for every match, add them up, and that gives us a total score of 4.5, which is pretty strong for a card with only six matches in this season. We used to get negatives, Marcus, uh, (laughs) when it comes to match quality. So Rumble 2000 already off to a good start in our categories. Let's get to the build. Uh, we gave a point for Mankind becoming Cactus Jack, that transformation, that moment. Triple H ascending as a top heel with Stephanie regaining his title. Feels like more of a main event act now across the board. He's like fully ensconced at that position. 
Uh, all the build for Taz with the number 13 and their orange and black vignettes. Uh, the change of the Dudleys, you know, bringing up the table gimmick and the camo and dropping the stuttering. Uh, paying off the Acolytes winning the Battle Royal at Armageddon, getting their tag title match. Uh, the firing angle with Mick Foley. If remember, that was a big part of the build, too. Yeah. Where Triple H fired. They do the pink slip on a pole. Rock beats him. He gets fired. But then Rock holds the show hostage and brings out the roster. They threaten to walk. If Triple H doesn't reverse the decree, uh, so Foley gets rehired, and then that springs into Cactus Jack. I think also part of this build was this when Triple H went to uh, he brought uh, Midian dressed as Mankind to uh, went yeah. to the Universal Studios and all that. Yeah, that was that was pretty good too. Um, Big Show being obsessed with getting his title back, so some hinting there about you know potential turn. Rock issues a guarantee to win the Rumble. The X-Pac and Kane uh, Christmas story, Tory Christmas story that they do, uh, where X-Pac had won <laughs> 30 days or Christmas, whatever it was, a week with Tory. Um, and he, you know, tells Kane that they hooked up or whatever. And then, of course, we'll see where that goes. But uh, that's raging on. And then Angle's undefeated streak potentially comes to an end. They kind of tease that he's going to play off that. He didn't lose clean uh, due to the controversial finish. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, he suffers his first loss in the WF. Yeah, tons of build heading into this show. Uh, they're definitely not sitting on their hands, uh, as it seems like they're prone to do, uh, you know, as we head into the Rumble. But plenty of build. Uh, we're going to get into some of the minuses, though. We got uh, stuff going on with May and Mark Henry. Uh, the Intercontinental title, double champion, shared title holder nonsense. Thankfully, that gets resolved here, but still part of the build. Uh, not a lot of angles going into the Rumble itself. We went with a minus two uh, because it is no questions the Rocks Rumble. Um, mm-hmm. They try to build up Big Show, but other than that, there's really nothing heading into the Rumble. And um, something that seems like a Mandela effect to me, where I'm like, or like I'm gaslit. Like, did this happen? D- did I did I dream that this happened? But mm-hmm. Edge is dropped from the Miss Rumble angle, um, and I think that's because. He's like getting shoot married around this time, and this might be right. to Val Venus' sister. But uh, yeah, he was definitely supposed to be part of uh, the judges at ringside, and mm. they make out with him or whatever on on SmackDown, I think. And that's right. He ends up, um, you know, not being part of it. So uh, it sticks out in my mind. I'm not even sure if it really <laughs> happened, but <laughs> I think that it did. Sounds like it did. Sounds like it did. Um, yeah, I don't know why they pulled him. Was the marriage thing or just they felt like it's going to end up being kind of too jokey for him since he's like one of the top tag teams right now. So I don't know. All right. So that gives us a total score of five. So very strong outing there for build commentary. We have Jr. and King really putting over Taz hard in his debut. Uh, King makes a funny shot at Ted Turner when he makes a joke uh, about John Rocker. Uh, great job with the rules and storyline about the table match. Uh, JR trashes Mae Young because they're drunk while she's stripping. Uh, amazing work in the fight. They were they were really on point in the Cactus Triple H match. Yeah. Uh, Rikishi says Rikishi, uh, King says Rikishi qualifies for group insurance all on his own, which is a funny line. And then a really good uh, Ross calling The Rock winning the Rumble. So uh, a strong night for them. A yeah, strong night. Uh, we will dip into the negatives. Uh, forced nonsense already. With Taz's controversial choke win on Angle, it just kind of cuts the legs out from underneath Taz already, who came in pretty hot. And they're already, like, you know, taking away his first victory, which was a cool moment in his hometown. Uh, <laughs> Horny King cackling uh, while he's emceeing the Miss Rumble pageant. 
um, King calls Ta- <laughs> King calls Taka Michinoku Taka Michinoku uh, calls him Chinese. That is not his uh, ethnicity. Multiple times uh, keeps making these Chinese jokes. Um, again, they're not Chinese, um, so we went with a minus two there. Yeah, that could be even worse. I mean, he's pretty yeah. brutal. Like he's like, when's that Chinese guy coming back out? And you know, like it's just terrible. It's, it's rough, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then the Mitch no clue. Like it just, yeah, just typical bottom barrel Lawler jokes. Uh, so we gave a net of a three there for commentary. Uh, atmosphere, just an awesome Cactus Jack Triple H opening video into the pay per view. Uh, the awesome MSG taxi set that ends up coming to play. Yeah. Uh, just the look of it. Uh, the massive pop for Taz, just incredible. The red hot for the tables match and the Swanton. A really cool vibe for the legends, uh, the judges, when like Johnny V comes out and everything. Just It felt very New York. They did do a good job capturing that with him and Andy Richter. Uh, the massive pop for Jericho. Uh, an awesome vibe for the back end of Jack and Triple H. You just so it sucked into the match toward the end. Uh, again, another monster pop for Jericho in the Rumble. So he gets like the one for the match and then super over in the Rumble, too. So you can tell he's starting to gain steam. Uh, an all-time monster rock pop when he comes out. Uh, and uh, the Godfather, he's not in the opener, but he gets a good reaction, a good batch of hoes from New York City as well. And then just another monster pop for Kane, who's just continuously been over for the last year. Yeah, New York City's real finest, uh, the hoes, in my opinion. Uh, let's get into the minuses. Yeah, uh, the crowd has turned on China for Jericho. Uh, overall, I think that's a positive, but for the fact that they were going for it, uh, that's going to be a negative here. Crowd chanting boring when Jack and uh, Cactus Jack and Triple H are spending too much time in the alley, mostly because there's so many people and it's, it's not well lit, so you can't really see what's going on. Not much excitement uh, in the Royal Rumble from the crowd until Rikishi is out there dancing and throwing people out and doing his thing. Uh, total lack of reaction for Al Snow, who uh, they've tried to uh, force down our throats the last couple months. Just please give it up. Uh, no true Iron Man for the fans to buy into or focus on. There's mm-hmm. nobody There's nobody in the match. Uh, I think this is important in Royal Rumble matches. I think it's important to have a heel who is surviving through all the circumstances and right. you don't want to see them win. Uh, you know, Ted DiBiase, Ric Flair, on and on. Um, mm-hmm. there, there is not that heel there. So it's hard to, like, buy into the story for the duration of the match. Um, they try giving Test a little bit, but there's no real story there. He just seems like an able body who can eat up some time. Um, and no story to the Rumble until The Rock enters. And Rock really enters pretty late to the point mm-hmm. where like fans are getting disappointed when it's not The Rock. And um, that's not a, a position you want to put your talent in. You know, punish them for not being The Rock. So lots of pluses and minuses atmosphere. It's just a net of five. So it's strong atmosphere, even with all those negatives you mentioned. Just shows you how much is going on. All right. A lot, lot of moments, as always, in this season. Uh, we have the debut of Taz. We have Kurt Angle's great promo to open the show, plus his first loss. Uh, the first ever tag team tables match on pay-per-view. The Dudleys debuting their new look and their gimmick change and the crowd shitting promos that they bring in. Uh, Jeff winning the match with the Swanton off the balcony. May Young's boobs, for better or worse, is a memorable <laughs> moment. The debut of Jonathan Coachman on pay-per-view. He had been on TV for a bit, but it was the first time right. we see him on pay-per-view. Uh, the grand opening of DODF New York was a big deal. Uh, the all-time rock promo when he kind of cracks on Cratch Holly and Mosh being his top contenders in the Rumble. 
Uh, Chris Jericho winning sole possession of the IC title. Cactus Jack is back. Uh, the cool callback to the Rumble uh, 99 Rumble match with the handcuffs and Rock coming out. Uh, of course, the Rikishi dance off and Diesel push. Takamichinoko's face flop and nearly dying on the oh, mat, yeah. which they replay. Just a nasty bump. Uh, Bob Backlund's return to a big pop was a cool moment. And then the controversial finish with Big Show kind of nudging his heel turn. He attacks Rock after the match. And then Rock winning his first ever Rumble. So, I mean, I think a ton of big moments all throughout this show. Yeah, we'll see if the minuses uh, take away too much from that. The women's division is still a joke. Uh, still swimming down there at the bottom of the pool. Uh, are the Outlaws babyfaces or heels? I know the crowd loves them, Confusing. but... Yeah, yeah it, it's it's confusing. Uh, it seems it's, to be the DX rebirth has been weird because mm-hmm. they're kind of still faces. X Pac was still kind of with Kane, but now he's a heel. Triple H is with Stephanie now, so is he kind of still with that? Like the whole thing is just kind of kind of odd. They've turned DX into lackeys more than anything. Yeah, uh, in in effect, they've made the the accolades look like idiots because they're getting outsmarted by DX. Uh, Would have just been better doing an angle or skipping the match like we talked about. Uh, and also, you know, they get dropped out in the Rumble, like you said. Uh, we got the the, the random uh, Mean Street Posse attacks in the Rumble. Lame showing by Jericho and China in the Royal Rumble. And it kind of goes into uh, Rumble 95, I think, um, with, like, you mentioned Backland and Owen Hart. They're, like, two bigger stars that get mm-hmm. thrown out very quickly. It's kind of the same here with Jericho and China. Uh, this match really needs some star power, and these two were in the position to provide that. But they're gone so quickly that the match suffers for it. Uh, and Road Dog laying in the corner almost the whole time he's in there. Um, like you said, it's indicative of of this this matchup. Yeah, lazy. Uh, all right, so that that's out to a twelve though for a moment. So that's a big number. Uh, so you can already tell this show is gonna gonna do pretty well. Uh, four and a half for match grades, like we already said. Card structure, uh, great to open up with Taz's pop and the surprise, and then a very simple you know, ramp up card, undercard, right? You kind of get the undercard stuff, you get the big title match, and then into the Rumble match. So pretty straightforward. Yeah, for the minuses, uh, I think the Miss Rumble portion of the evening cuts off the the run of hot matches. Mm-hmm. You got the, the Taz debut and, and, you know, suplex match, and then you got the awesome tag, uh, tag team tables match. Uh, and all that comes to a screeching halt with the Miss Rumble contest it's Madison square garden i don't think the fans need to cool down um everybody knows what it is like let's go uh it leads to the the tag title match being rushed later makes the acolytes look bad um uh tough tough first uh sorry uh right i here. think it's tough for the you know beginning of the rumble like the first two yeah, guys sorry. coming in because that was um D'Lo and Gravehaster Sex say like it's a tough twosome to come out after that Cactus Jack match. I think the crowd was still kind of burnt a little bit um, coming into there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the crowd out out of it with the uh, street fight. Um, not many Royal Rumble through lines. Uh, the field just exposing the lack of depth kind of right now on the roster. Again, like too many heels. Uh, and Crush will call to do the post-Rumble angle. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of gets forgotten about. Big Show gets back in the ring and uh, starts heating up the Rock a little bit. And uh, Rock ends up getting out of town. So uh, a weird way to close, you know, if you're going to crown the Rock, which right. we all see coming from a mile away, then, like, just 
give us what we want. Rock standing tall, uh, celebrating his first Rumble win. So weird to do the bit of business with the big show at the end. Yeah, like that's something you could have done a Raw the next night and not here. Like let the Rock have his moment. Uh, we didn't need that angle advancement. All right, so I guess the negative four for card structure. So really the biggest ding of the pay-per-view so far. Uh, rewatchability, you give a point for Taz's debut, which is always easy to rewatch. The Rikishi dance off and then Taka smash into the mat. <laughs> they made us rewatch a lot of times. Um, um, I think first and last time, boobs will actually make it into the minus section, but it's Mae Young's. We didn't need to see that. So that's a two for rewatchability. We have an all-time match with Cactus and Triple H. Gets another point there to give us a total score of 28.5. So it is up there. We'll go through the full list at the end of the show. But it is, we can tell you it's a top three. Just a hair behind Money in the Bank 11. Wow. Uh, You can blame Mae Young's boobs (laughs) for costing it (laughs) the number two spot. Uh, but it's a great showing. I, I think that this is one that is believable to me, right? I think coming in, you would have said, oh, Rumble 2000 is going to finish high. Um, and it did. I mean, it's just got a lot of cool parts to it, a lot of big moments. You know, the bad is kind of limited and just a lot going on. So even with the bad Rumble, like it didn't hurt it too much when you look at the overall way we construct these grades. No, plenty, plenty for the show to stand on, uh, even though it definitely did have its flaws. Um, you know, bordering on that all-timer show. Uh, we'll do the full rundown later, like you said. Um, but I want to see how they uh, follow up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's cruise on ahead then, Marcus. The second show of the night. We're going to talk No Way Out 2000 from the Hartford Civic Center, Hartford, Connecticut, February 27, 2000. Um, you know, obviously the promotion's red hot. We've got Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler on commentary. And we're heading toward what many are going to assume, I think, would be an all-time classic WrestleMania, given where we are with everything. So we'll see if that, you know, comes to fruition. But for now, we have our final stop on the road there. And uh, you want to dive into the matches for us? I do. Before uh, that, I want to ask you, this is uh, mm-hmm. up towards your neck of the woods. So are you at the show? Where are you going to go? What's the deal? I was not. I was still in college at this point. So I was in Worcester, which isn't terribly far from Hartford, but I didn't have a car. I guess Adam could have driven us. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't really on my radar to go for some reason. Um, I think when you're in school, it's just a lot more considerations. Yeah. Like, would have had a missed class the next day, probably, or had a real late night drive back. Uh, you know, funds limited. So it was. I think it's probably just all those parts. I know Mr. Criscolo was there, though. I've heard that oh, story many, many a time. So Never let school get in the way of life. Um. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that already happened in 98 when I went to a raw <laughs> taping the first like first night of school <laughs> uh, without telling my parents at Lowell. So that's, that's that. That's awesome. That, that's the, uh, was that the Foley title win? No, that's later oh. that year in Worcester. That was during Christmas break. Uh, okay. The Lowell one was uh, actually one of the uh, like Saturday Raws during the U.S. Open that aired. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it was at the Songus Arena in Lowell, and it was it was taped. It was like literally the night before the first day of school. Like we went up, um, and and did it. And I didn't I didn't tell my parents. It's a I have an article somewhere on Placement Nation telling the whole story. So I'll send it over to you <laughs> if you're interested. Um, it was quite the adventure. 
send it over. I'll definitely read that. Okay. Uh, but let's get into this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, our opening contest is for the Intercontinental title. And we have Kurt Angle defeating Chris Jericho, who's accompanied by China, uh, to become the new Intercontinental champion. They get about 10 minutes, and I went with a war of three. Uh, I went with a three and a half. I like this quite a bit as an opener. Like, this is what we're talking about, right? <laughs> like, all right, here's Jericho up and running. Here's Kurt Angle. They've released the beast with him. Like, we're past the task stuff. And you can see they already have high hopes. So he wins the IC title off of Jericho here. Heading into Mania. Uh, you know, this was just fast paced. It's only 10 minutes. I like the finish. Just a lot going on. And it, it, to me, it rinses the bad taste out of the mouth. Um, you know, from what Jericho's been going through so far. And he finally gets his feet under him. Uh, he gets Angle back on track. Like, you look at this and like, okay, the future is here. And we're going to see more of the future coming up. But this really felt like the future was here. Uh, and this makes also an Angle, Angle a double champion. Because he had won the European title on TV. Uh, mm-hmm. heading into here so he's got he's got both belts now and it's um you know be a big part of what he's got going on over the next month couple months yeah i think he beat val venus on smackdown if i remember right mm-hmm. yep uh so yeah double champ here first ever euro continental champion uh if you don't count <laughs> Dilo brown and <laughs> yes. jeff jarrett uh yeah cool cool match to see um you talked about it like we're getting into like the 21st century here like this match is like okay Mm -hmm. business has picked up the in-ring style has um definitely picked up in speed and physicality uh so i'm looking forward to that as we close out the season uh our next contest is another title match it is for the world tag team titles as the dudley boys are going to win the tag titles by defeating the new age outlaws i went with a 2.75 yeah, I gave it a two and a half. I, th- I think it was fine. It's a weird match because Billy uh, blew out his shoulder on TV right before this show. I think it might have been the week before uh, he did the Famouser and, and blew it out. So he doesn't really do much at all. Uh, it only goes five minutes. Road Dog works the whole match. Then they hit Billy with the um, lead pipe to the shoulder to explain his injury. And the Dudleys win the title. So, again, it feels like, okay, like... The rumble to here feels like a real changing of the guard of this era. This show feels like it's setting up what we know of this this era of 2000, 2001 uh, being this red hot, well-renowned uh, year. It really starts to kick off here with Kurt Angle winning gold, Jericho having a great match. The Dudleys are now our tag champs. The Outlaws are pretty much put to pasture. So like, it feels like we have a lot of big changes happen on the card. Yeah, and the way that this match is structured and done and executed like it's not like you know a fluke win or the Dudleys got lucky or they only won because Billy was injured like no like the Dudleys injured Billy Gunn in their way to winning the tag team titles um like they definitely snuffed out the outlaws Dudley boys are the new like you know the new big bads if you will of the tag team division like they just out bully the outlaws this whole match so uh a cool cool like emphatic win for the Dudley boys Mm mm-hmm uh, they've come a long way in two months. So like, yeah. From Armageddon to here, doesn't even feel like the same team. No. Um, like you said, like they debut with the, you know, basically still being the same ECW characters. Uh, mm-hmm. And they, you know, get their feet wet with that. But then they transition into more of what we're going to know, know them for. And um, they state their presence with authority. Uh, we've got a big Haas battle here as Mark Henry is going to mm. defeat the world's largest love machine, but not yet. Uh, Viscera, 
I went with a 1.75 because I'm a sucker for some big man. Yeah, I thought this sucked. I gave it a one. Um, <laughs> only those three hours, uh, three hours, felt like three hours, three mi- uh, minutes and 44 seconds. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, it all happened because Viscera, uh, whatever, right, made a move or attacked Mae Young. <laughs> so uh, said that it happened on Heat just to lead to this. I don't know. And Mae Young even being involved again. She's dating Henry. It's around this time we get the hand. Gives You know, she's pregnant and all this other shit. So just a terrible storyline and use of these guys and i just i couldn't get into it, it sucked yeah i appreciate the variety it brings to the card because it is the only like hospital on the show but um you could have done without this um definitely wasn't necessary it it is only three minutes like you said but yeah does this card didn't need this uh so we will quickly move on to our next contest which is edge and christian taking on the hardy boys and if I remember right, I got to double check here, but I believe this is yes uh, to determine the number one contenders for the tag mm-hmm. team titles at WrestleMania. So the Edge and Christian's going to win. I went with three. Yeah, I went three as well. This is kind of a forgotten match between them. It's just a straight match. And it was really good. I mean, it was really, really good. And, you know, they worked hard. Edge and Christian get the win. But we get the Terry heel turn, which felt mm-hmm. kind of stupid. And forced, like, I don't know why. Like is she, So she got attacked by the Dudleys and put through the table and was gone for a bit um, when they started doing the table bit. But I don't know why this, when she came back, just naturally separate them. You know what I mean? Let her, just, let her go do something else if you're going to do this. Like, the heel turn made no sense um, at all. And I guess it protects the Hardys a little bit, but whatever. I mean, they have great chemistry. The match is real, real fun. And Azure Christian kind of would do for a win. Um, set them up. So, I mean, it looks like now you're kind of assuming, I guess, Edge and Christian versus the Dullies at Mania. So we'll see. Yeah, weird. Weird call to do the Terry heel turn. Didn't really accomplish too much. Like you said, they could have just done a natural parting of the ways or, you know, the Hardy boys politely dismiss her because things mm-hmm. are getting so dangerous in tag title scene. I think that plays off a lot better. Nobody wanted to boot Terry. I mean, she looks incredible during this run. Um, and, you know, don't want the Hardy Boys looking like suckers, so could have been done better. Uh, so speaking of things that could have been done better, Taz versus oh, the Big Boss Man. Yeah, I I went with a what? Oh man, uh, yeah, I was very generous with this. I went with one point five. I went point seven five. I I've always hated this yeah. match. Um, you know, I feel like the clock ran out on Boss Man a bit. That back at Armageddon, he kind of had his moment. This feels very forced. This is where he's working with Prince Albert. And this is where the wheels are already off of Taz. And I don't know if it's because they got the shiny new toys we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, and suddenly they're realizing maybe the the inn's a little full. But they go with something that clearly had like Vince McMahon's fingerprints all over it. Taz being the little bulldog that can, right? So it's mm-hmm. he... Um, you know, doesn't quit, doesn't stay down. He's going to keep coming at you and playing it up like he's a little, just, um, yeah, just a little bruiser, right? That's like, that is playing too into his size, I guess, that you know, he's just a never-say-die guy instead of being the bully-ass kicker that he's always been, that he was at the Rumble. And here, like, we go, what, not even a minute? How long is this stupid thing? Yeah, 47 seconds. And I'd be fine with it if it was just like, Albert and Bossman double them up and then maybe Taz battles back and suplexes him or something. But instead they just kept doing the thing where they kept hitting him with a nightstick and he keeps coming back. And, 
you know, these pugnacious, you know, they're pl- playing all that up. It just, I just think it made Taz look stupid. Like, Bossman's a guy to f- uh, feed him to. Just have mm-hmm. him destroy him. Yeah, you've built up Bossman enough, and it's time to start repaying some of that. So let Taz get a big victory in quick fashion. Uh, and, you know, you can even have him throw around Prince Albert if you need to. But, yeah, this was this was not it. Um, I'm surprised it went so high with 1.5. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got generous there. I should have. I, I, I would. Yeah, I would have went lower on second thought. Um, moving on to our next contest, we've got X-Pac defeating Kane. I went with a 2.75. Uh, three for me, you know, these guys continue to have pretty good matches together. The chemistry has obviously been on display, both as a tag team and then also uh, in this angle. And the key thing with them, as we notice, is they keep every match short. Uh, you know, the first one was five minutes. I think Armageddon was, what, under 10? And this is eight. So they're yeah. really, like, keeping it humming. They don't overstay their welcome. It keeps Kane looking good. Um, you know, Paul Bearer is back now. You know, he came back on that great Raw Dallas 10-man. Oh, man an all-time moment. So he's here with Kane. Tori is now turned on Kane. She's with X-Pac. So a lot has keeps, you know, just just firing in this feud and uh, X-Pac wins. So like, we're going to continue on toward mania where you assume we'll get some kind of blow off yet again, even though Kane beat him clean and Armageddon, we get the twist with Tori. So we're back. And um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the finish of this. I always hate the steps as a weapon. I just think it looks goofy. Uh, but here, Kane goes to pick him up, and X-Pac drop kicks the steps on his face and pins him. Um, yeah, I think they could have done a better finish, but I'm okay with X-Pac winning here because it's clear they're setting up some kind of big payoff for Mania. Yeah, it is a no-holds-barred match, so like that explains the steps being involved. But a weird finish, but they are just trying to keep things moving along to get to the big blow-off that I, you know, I guess they thought they were going to have at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the the huge Dallas return of Kane and that awesome Raw uh, all-time moment there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how you mentioned that they don't um, they don't keep these matches going too long. Like they very rarely ever go over ten minutes, and it's just the old-fashioned eyeball test. Like, yep. what do you expect to happen when you get somebody the size of Xbox going up against somebody the size of Kane? Um, so you know, the longer you keep them out there, the more it exposes the business. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up, we've got a six-man tag team match. We've got Too Cool and Rikishi getting a big win over Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn being accompanied by Eddie Guerrero. We know them as the Radicals. I went with 3.25. 3.25 for me as well. Uh, it was a good match. Of course, a huge moment. With the Radicals debuting, they had showed up on Raw after all the backstage stuff that we heard about going on with um, them getting the release from WCW. They had that really cool SmackDown where they have to win their matches to get the contracts. That gets fucked up because Eddie gets hurt uh, when he hits the frog splash and it dislocates his elbow. So he's on the sidelines already. And uh, then we get the heel turn with it, you know, end up being Triple H mercenaries and attack Cactus Jacks. So it's kind of where we're at with them at this point. Um, but this is a cool six man because two cool and Rikishi are suddenly super over out of nowhere. Uh, since the rumble, um, everyone's into the dancing. They've really are coming along as a, as a trios unit. They were part of that 10 man tag. Like they are just in the main event scene out of nowhere. These guys, uh, my only issue is again, the finish, like I'm all in on Rikishi being protected. He actually breaks out the driver here on Malenko. And the bonds I dropped, but I, I just think I would have had the radicals 
um, win, especially because they had busted up Rakesh's leg too. Um, so it would have been an easy story. And you have guys that can are pinnable. Like nothing is easier than Benoit pinning Scotty too, honey. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, and I'm not, not disrespecting him, but it's just, I mean, that's an easy decision to make. Mm-hmm. So to me, not doing that and having them lose out of the gate, even though they've been on TV and kind of lost already, I just felt like this was a time for them to just go over strong. Yeah, they're making the, the, the climb uphill for no reason with the radicals. Um, you got guys in here who can really work, uh, gifted to you. And for some reason, they decide, you know, the way to go is by making the climb harder. Um, you know, it's, it's weird Vince McMahon logic. It is really cool to see Too Cool get a, you know, a signature uh mm-hmm. The signature win on pay-per-view, I don't think they have too many of those. Uh, so it is a really cool, like, feel-good moment. It, it is a cool, like, snapshot where you can point at this period in time and be, like, too cool as a main event act when the company yep. is, you know, as hot as, as it's ever been. So that's really cool. But, yeah, I... It's this I'm weird, like, six-month anomaly. I think it's it's really, like, January to June. Um, it feels longer because Rikishi ends up being so long-lasting, but... I think them as a unit and too cool is like a top act. It's just that little six month stretch, but they really make it count. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to wind down to our last two big matches of the evening. First one determines uh, who is the real winner of the Royal Rumble. Who's going to go on to main event WrestleMania as the big show is going to get a surprising victory by defeating the rock. I went with 3.25. I like this quite a bit, and I was shocked. I went three and a half. Uh, I was not expecting to be as into this as I was. The crowd, again, carries these rock matches. They're so into it. Um, and I like the story. I think show, you know, we we, we all, the last couple of episodes, episodes, we've been really into him. Like, he was, you know, really strong at Survivor Series, dominant Armageddon. I liked him in the Rumble, and I like him here a lot, too. He's got this aggression. He's got this anger. He believes he's got this conviction that he should be the number one contender. And, you know, the video kind of proves him right. And he wrestles like a here, like he knows this is his chance. And then we get the big return of Shane McMahon. who have been off TV since triple H threw him through the table and, uh, you know, basically stole Stephanie from the family. The Shane events are both gone. Since then, so Shane comes back, but he turns heel. It, it, just an awesome spot where he slides in and, and hits rock in the head with the chair as rock was coming in for the people's elbow. It's kind of an iconic spot. And, uh, yeah, Big Show wins. So now we're looking at this title picture like, okay, is this going to be a rehash of SummerSlam where we have all kinds of crazy shit happening and we don't know the main event leading into the show until it's late. So as of right now, Big Show's heading to Mania to get that title shot. So we'll see where it goes. But I like this a lot. It's actually, I thought, one of the better Big Show singles matches this season, if not the best. Yeah, I think this has to be his best performance we've seen. Uh, Rock really gets a great match out of him. They pull out all the bells and whistles for this with, you know, ref bumps and Shane McMahon coming back, but it all hits really well. Mm-hmm. And I'd like that again, they took another risk this season and they actually like muddy up the picture, you know, that is the road to WrestleMania. Um, Big Show picks up a win here. I didn't expect that at the time. Um, we're seeing Big Show really flourish when he has some story uh, yep. with his character. Um, so that's that's good to see, too. Agreed. So let's close things out. Uh, big time match here. It is uh, title versus career. It is a Hell in a Cell match. And 
Triple H is going to defeat Cactus Jack. Um, we are a bit maligned with this one. I've got this match clocking in at two. What about you? I went four and a quarter. Uh, four and a quarter. I've never been as big on this match as others. I've seen people that have it at five or equal to the Rumble. I never thought it really quite hit that far. Um, I think to me, it's like a clear delineation down from the Rumble. Uh, they did get 23 minutes, so it's another long match. And the build was good again. I mean, Foley puts his career on the line for the title shot, trying to get Triple H over, you know, one last time before Mania to really finish the job of, of Cactus making him. Uh, we do get the big bump, which I appreciate, but I've always kind of been down on. Um, if you need to gimmick the ring to protect them, you probably shouldn't do the spot in the first place. Has always been my problem with it. I feel like they felt like they had to deliver something crazy coming off of past cells and also coming off the rumble. So they come up with this, but I always sort of look kind of hokey and I'm not saying the ring shouldn't have broke. I don't want cactus to get hurt. I'm just saying they shouldn't have done it. And um, that always took a little bit away from me. I do like when he gets up and gets pedigree though. Like I'm glad they give him that. Like he does the zombie rise after that bump. Um, but I, I have always enjoyed this. I think it was a, a very, you know, a borderline great match between these two guys filled with violence. It felt like a natural progression from the rumble. To me, it's just the rumble's better and we've had better sells. So four and a quarter, nothing to sneeze at. To me, that would still be an all time match based on our metrics here. But uh, your, your grade prevents it for sure. No, this this match sucks, in my opinion. Uh, this is like the negative. Um, the night or yes, the other side of Mick Foley matches, unfortunately. Um where I don't know another word for it other than like they're masturbatory. Uh, mm-hmm. It's doing all the right things. Oh, you know, do this spot, do that spot, uh, bring out this weapon, bring out the tax, bring out the flaming two by four uh, juice, have the big spectacular bumps, but they were all passionless to me. Um, you know, Rumble was, was, you know, lightning in a bottle, perhaps. Uh, it was just perfection. And this this was just a huge, giant swing and a miss. I went to because structurally, um, you know, nothing is business exposing. Um, you know, it is, it is a tight matchup. You know, the strikes are all there. The moves are there. It's not like they, um, you know, have any, I don't even like punish matches for botches. I think that's kind of ridiculous. But there's, there's nothing business exposing. But, uh, you know, I think just as far as, like, trying to force a classic, this is it. Mm. Um, and I wonder if this is where maybe Triple H picked up some bad habits. Because um, th- this is just, to me, definition of a forced classic. Um, and I didn't like it. It felt like they were just trying to live up to the hype more than force a classic. Like, the Rumble cast such a shadow over them. Uh, and they sell. You know, past sells have a big shadow, right? We're still coming. The last one before this was, was Pittsburgh, right? Oh no. Well, I guess uh, WrestleMania with big boss fan on a taker, but <laughs> um, you know, we fully taker still fresh in our mind, Sean taker. So it's, you know, there's some big shoes to fill coming off the rumble. It's Foley's last match. You know, he wanted to go out and kill it. Um, you know, looking back and then thinking about how WrestleMania goes like, yeah, I think he should have wrote off of the sunset after the rumble, but it made sense to do the rematch, to put the career on the line, to sell the pay-per-view, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I'm not going to go against it. It just felt like they had to go to the well one more time and couldn't quite get all the way there. Yeah. And it does create an interesting 
view for WrestleMania at the closest pay-per-view because you got Big Show, who's defeated The Rock. So we know that he's got his spot for WrestleMania locked up. And now Triple H retains. And I think maybe when you see Big Show win that match, you think, okay, you know, Cactus Jack stands a chance. Because mm-hmm. why would they do Triple H versus The Big Show? That doesn't, you know, exactly scream WrestleMania to me. Um, so, yeah, um, an unclear picture of WrestleMania as we head into actual WrestleMania itself. So I give this is a total match grade score of 2.25, which is, again, pretty positive or pretty good if you get the positives in this season. So uh, let's get to it. Build. We have a point for Mick Foley's uh, retirement angle. Uh, the big show rock uh, kerfluffle over the Royal Rumble winning spot, which is really well done with show showing the pictures and the video and, you know, begging Triple H for the t- for this match and finally proving to him that he was the real winner. Uh, the angle Jericho belt for belt, the Dudley's ascending to be a legitimate tag team at the top of the card. Uh, APA starting to formulate, like we're starting to do the ballroom stuff with the acolytes, et cetera. So that's starting to come together. Uh, Tory's turn on Kane, who goes to the institution and Paul Barrow returns. We get the fire torch. We get the Dallas 10 man that we give two points for all that. Um, just an awesome moment. Like we've talked about that, that 10 man's amazing. The return of Kane and Paul Barrow is awesome. Uh, just a big pop. And then we give two star uh, two points for the Radicals debut as well. Obviously, a, a big part of the build into the show was them arriving on Raw. Yeah, we're really able to pinpoint a lot of the um, like Raws and Smackdowns in between Rumble and No mm-hmm. Way Out. So uh, they're definitely firing on on all cylinders going into this event. Uh, getting into the minuses, we don't have too many. Uh, we've got Vis Henry uh, and. Pregnant Mae Young, all the nonsense there. We did go minus two there because it does involve a um, you know, miscarriage angle. And uh, you know, even though it does end up being a hand. Uh, Jericho and China with their implied romance. It was kind of weird. It's like they don't know how to do just a strictly platonic mm-hmm. relationship. Which I think would have just played a lot better. Um, but instead they're trying to imply that there's this underlying romance. And Taz is already just another guy. They're trying to shine him up as being the you know the spark plug the pit bull the fire plug but um Ugh. he's just another dude already yeah all right so it's a net of five uh for the the war score there so that's pretty good uh commentary great energy out of the gates uh they're locked in right away give a point for jr doing a good job navigating king's bullshit throughout this show uh there's more to life than sock drawers that's jr to king <laughs> a great line uh, and they're really great during the last two matches, getting the stories over. They do a really, really good job. All right. And for our minuses, uh, we do have the King getting all horned up anytime a road dog mentions doggy style during his promo or anytime a female shows up on screen. Uh, Jerry Lawler does not know how to act. Just a giant horny child. So we went minus two there and it makes it hard to rewatch the show. And uh, King... Just being insistent uh, to the point of annoyance about China and Jericho banging. Again, yeah. it's very childlike uh, on this show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like he's somebody's annoying 12-year-old brother. He's been devolving into that, honestly, over the last few. Like, I, I think he was much better in the summer of 99. Um, as the years gone on, he's gotten worse and worse, for sure. It really started with, with Miss Kitty showing up. Uh, which not a surprise. This is girlfriend or wife, whatever she was at this point um, that he's super into her. And then just like the nudity ramping up and the, that all that stuff has like made him worse <sighs> for sure. All right. Uh, so that's a net of one on commentary. Uh, so it continues to be a lot of good, but also a bunch of bad 
atmosphere, a really good promo from Angle dissing the Hartford Whalers. Uh, a crowd was mega hot for the new Age Outlaw shtick. Uh, molten for Kane and X-Pac. Uh, massive pop for Rikishi and Too Cool. Monster pop for Rock. It's like the fucking Beatles were coming to the ring. Um, absurd pop for Shane when he comes out. And then they're on fire back-to-back with two mega star matches. They do not die off. And then a great standing ovation for Foley at the end of his match to retire. Yeah, uh, you know, they, they do the pregnant pause for Foley, but... Uh... It is a cool moment that they would show on, on TV. Uh, let's get into the minuses. Uh, crowd gives Viss and Henry a big old boring chant, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. And then they fade after the matchup um, and the angle and everything like that. So they're really quiet for the following ta- tag team matchup. And then the crowd right, rightfully chants bullshit during the Taz beatdown. It's way mm-hmm. too long. It's ineffective. Uh, nobody really wanted to see that. Um, so, yeah. All right, so that's another five spot for atmosphere. So we're racking up the points. All right, moments. Um, I don't think this one has as many as some of the others, but let's see. We have uh, Angle winning the IC title for the first time. The end, really official end of the New Age Outlaws with Billy Gunn's injury. The Dudleys winning their first tag team titles. We get the first uh, appearance of the APA for all intents and purposes on pay-per-view. Uh, we get Farouk. Uh, so we didn't really talk about this. So they come in and, and beat up the Hardys after that match. Uh, Terry has hired them to protect her against her former charges after she cost on the match. And we give a point for Farouk just murdering Jeff with the botched Dominator. Just drops him right out of his head and neck. Uh, awesome bit, too, that runs through the show is Kurt Angle celebrating all night. Uh, where he's like out in the crowd. He's in the back talking to security guards and eventually gets stuffed into a trunk by Jericho China, a car trunk. Uh, so that's funny all throughout the show. Kane tombstoning Tori to a big pop. Uh, the Radicals pay-per-view debut. We get the more serious new look of Big Show. He's got the shorter hair. He's motivated, a lot of conviction, and he wins the match for once without you know blowing it. Uh, Shane McMahon's return and he'll turn on the rock. We give two points for Cactus Jack retiring. And then a point for uh, Cactus's big cage bumps that stand out. All right. And we're going to take away due to uh, China being shoehorned into Jericho's match. And, uh, you know, she even gets her own entrance with the Chinator. Uh, that was the name of the gun, right? The Chinator? Yeah, that sounds made up. Okay, I might have made that up. Um, we've got the Terry heel turn. Uh, we talked about that, but it seems aimless and confusing just to get to the APA getting over mm-hmm. uh, their new character development, which could have been done in other ways. Uh, it, uh, we talked about Taz already, but mm-hmm. the whole bulldog thing, um, it just, it never goes well. And uh, X-Pac beating Kane with a weak finish, considering it's a no holds barred match and the radicals losing their pay-per-view debut. Yep. So still an eight for moments, which is a lot, but not as many positives and, and some of the negatives definitely affecting that. Uh, 2.25 on match grades. Card structure, we give a point to power stack the big matches to open the show. Uh, a point for showing a lot of faith in the Edge, Edge and Christian and the Hardys to have a straight tag match go as long as they did. Uh, you know, point for closing with the big two matches, Rock Show, Cactus, Triple H. That really made it feel like a super card. Yeah. Um, getting into the minuses, this and Henry, tough pay-per-view match. Again, it's three minutes, but uh, it really does disrupt the flow of the show. Uh, ENC and the Hardy Boys, they do get plenty of time, but I don't really know if they really capitalize on that time. Uh, the match kind of drags on, and uh, the crowd never really buys into the mm-hmm. finishing sequence either, so I think they're ready to move on. 
and the super unnecessary Taz uh, match and segment with Bossman and Albert. So then that's up to a zero, cancels out, so nothing there. Rewatchability, give a point for Shane's flying chair shot and the pay-per-view debut of the Radicals. And for the minus, we have the presentation and assassination of Taz. I never want to see that again. Uh, because of your grade on uh, both positive for Henry Viscera and negative for the main event, we have no all-timers on either side. So that brings us to a total score of 22.25. So another big-time finish uh, that puts us inside the top six all-time, just a hair behind SummerSlam 11, uh, which, I, again, I don't think is too surprising. I think, you know, you think of this beginning of 2000 as red hot. So I, I would have thought most people coming in would have assumed the Rumble and No Way Out would be toward the top of the list. Yeah, the TV's red hot. The storylines are good. The entering action is really picking up. The ro- the roster is really filling out. We're getting away from the doldrum roster of like 99, uh, you know, where we had guys like Gangrel, Val Venus, Bulldog, all kind of lingering around, kind of dragging down the entering quality. Replace them with the Radicals and Jericho and mm-hmm. Angle. And um, it's just a serious step up in in-ring product so uh, yeah i mean it's a complete overhaul of the roster yeah. like in two months <laughs> like i mean even with the presentation it has it's adding him in um jericho figuring it out angle getting on board it's like this crazy infusion of talent um and then some natural attrition with injuries have like cleaned up some of the staleness like yeah we love foley he's rejuvenated his cactus but you know he, he's gone billy gunn's gone forcing the outlaws to break up um, you know, Austin's on the shelf, Undertaker's on the shelf. Like they're forced to try new stuff here and mix things up a little bit. And we suddenly have this massive influx of talent into the mid card that, and, and the revamping of the tag division. That's really going to you know, turn things around. Yeah, we're, we're heading in the right direction. I think we have the makings of what should be a super hot WrestleMania. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll see what we get there, but, uh, I agree with the match, uh, the match grade it's, or the show grade itself. And someday we'll talk about the rest of the season uh, <laughs> next time. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get through our uh, overall rankings here. So a uh, last place show right now is over the limit 2011 with a negative nine. Boy, uh, United Champions 2011 with a negative three. WrestleMania 11 with a negative 0.75. Elimination Chamber 2012 with a 2.75. No Mercy 99, the UK version uh, with a four. Royal Rumble 1995 with a 5.5. TLC 2011 with a 6.25. Rumble 2012 with a 6.5. Tied with King of the Ring 94 with a 6.5. Followed by Survivor Series 1994 with a 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011 with 8.75. Survivor Series 1999 with an 8.75 as well. And that's our 20th show. So now we're inside the top 20. SummerSlam 1994 with 9. Vengeance 2011, 9.5. Hell in a Cell 2011 with 11.5. Rebellion 1999 with a 12.5. No Mercy 1999 with 13, the uh, U.S. version from October. Capital Punishment 2011, 13.75. WrestleMania 28 with 14.5. Armageddon 1999 with a 15.75. And then we get our top 10, starting with King of the Ring 1999 with 16. Backlash 1999 with a 16.25. Unforgiven 99 with a 16.5. Survivor Series 2011 with an 18.75. Extreme Rules 
No Way Out 2000 with 22.5. The SummerSlam 2011 with a score of 23. So that's our top five now starting there. Fully Loaded 1999, 26.25. Raw Rumble 2000 with a 28.5. Number two is Money in the Bank 2011 at 28.75. And still our number one show that we've covered so far, the SummerSlam 1999 with a whopping 38.25. So you can see where like our original peak we thought was going to be, right? Was filling in as like Money in the Bank 11, Rumble 2000, like right around that 25, 28 range. And suddenly we just got this SummerSlam 99 outlier (laughs) at the top. (laughs) Complete juggernaut of a show is crushing everything so we'll see um for sure how that goes and and how that continues on if that continues to dominate uh but you know i I think looking at it it's kind of what you would think it would be right like the 99 2000s are carried so much by the moments and then you have the other tippity top cards that you would assume just based on the big stuff that's happened like money the bank 11 summer Sun 11 etc so uh, you know there's some crazy stuff in here but i I think overall, if you were look at this list, like most people would probably say, and that looks about right outside of a couple of things. Yeah, I, I think we're getting it right. I think the formula is working. Um, and it, it's just cool to see, you know, what I, I, I think it's telling a story. Um, you know, like you said, Attitude Era is really picking it up with the moments uh, and making those shows exciting. The, the 2011, 2012 season was really heavy on in-ring work uh, and some of the, the top heavy moments there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to close out our season, uh, as we finish up with WrestleMania. I'm excited also to do, uh, award season. Uh, that's always a personal highlight for me as we wrap things up and then, uh, we'll move on to our next season. Sure will. So in two weeks time, like Marcus has said, we'll be hitting WrestleMania 2000 plus our year end awards. And then a month from tonight, we'll be kicking off season four of Dirty War. So. For Marcus, I'm JT. Continue to live your life above replacement level. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah